0: This weekend, I had the honor of inviting my friend Angie to come and speak. And Angie, I've known um, her and her sister Katie for, I was nine years old, you guys. I'm, I'm going to age myself right now. But we, I was, um, it's been 37 years that we've been friends. And I have tons of stories about these two. But Angie was always our big sister. Katie was my childhood best friend. And so we all grew up in uh, Eastern Oregon together. And so good things do come out of La Grande, which is awesome. Um, and so they are changing the world down in LA. And Angie is the president of Life Pacific University. You guys, she is the first woman president since Amy Simple McPherson. And so that's an incredible thing. Right? Yeah. It's amazing. And then um, she's also a licensed uh, family therapist. And, you know, I'm going to just tell one quick story. And I told this at the ladies' conference. But when we were in high school, we didn't have a youth pastor um, for a short stint of time and so Angie took it upon herself to lead us and and all this, all of our youth like we were, there was a bunch of us there was like 15 of us and Angie's like we're going to meet at my house at this time be there and then we would be there for hours and she would be teaching us but then she would also just be leading us in prayer and it was incredible and then she started this thing where we started every Saturday night she was like at 11 o'clock I want you at this tree and she told us somewhere in town and we would all gather Around this this area, and we would pray for our pastor and our and the leadership team of our church, and we would pray for um, our teachers and our and our parents and all the things. We would just pray in the week, and I remember learning from her so much. As I was like, man, she leads us so so well, and so now it's just awesome because you're you know you're changing the world, and so um, I just love you, and I'm so glad that you're with us. So I uh, would you guys invite my friend Angie up here. Kim, you're awesome.
1: I love you, friend. How many of you guys love Kim? Do you appreciate her? Oh, and she did an amazing job at the women's conference. Did you guys love it? Hey, ladies. I feel like we're besties now. All right, man, you missed out. And I know you think, no, we did not. We did not miss out at all, but we had a great time. Well, I'm so honored to be here um, today with you. And I also recognize that I'm in really your sacred space. This is a beautiful community. Thank you for having me. I want to thank your pastors, um, Pastor Ryan and Kate. But I also know you guys have gone through a lot. Um, we've been through a lot in our nation, um, but this community has been through a lot. And so I just wanted you to know that I come with, um, sensitivity to that and just honor you and what you have gone through. I, uh, um, got the topic that you guys are going through the season of, of lament. And when Ryan said, I need you to talk on lament, I'm like, really? Like, this is so, it's not my favorite topic. Is it your favorite topic? No. Whose favorite topic is that? Um, it's hard. It's challenging. Um, It's... It's deep. Uh, my, my sister and I are um, best friends, and we lost our dad when I was I was 16. She was 14. And um, so we have walked through our own journey of loss, and especially in the last years as well. So this is our topic today. So are you guys with me today? Are we going to dive in to this, um, this theme? I want to welcome our online audience. We're so glad you're here. We wish you were with us, but we believe the Lord is with you right where you're at, and we pray that you're ministered to and that you feel um, His presence today in Jesus' name. So let's get started. So my title, because you know I love this topic, is called The Joy of Lament. You're like, Angie, seriously, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be out of control. Um, Some people just really can engage their emotions really well, and they can go there and be vulnerable. But I don't like to feel out of control. I don't like, and sometimes if you engage, you're like, will I ever come back? If I start crying, will I ever stop? And so we just don't go there. But I believe that as um, I present this teaching today, I think you'll be encouraged that lament is, is meant to lead you somewhere good. It's not just going to leave you in sorrow. So let's get started today. So this is what Jesus says in John. So with you, he says, now is your time of grief. He's talking to his disciples. But I will see you again and you'll rejoice and no one will ever take away your joy. There will be a time when the grieving season, the, la- the lament season is over and joy will never be taken away. But I want to encourage you today that the kingdom is here, that heaven is here on earth and there is joy that is for us today. So if you came in barely making it today, I want to encourage your heart that this is not where it's going to end for you. But I do want to define reality because we are in a season where we understand that not only is there grief and loss, there's mental health issues. So let me give you some data from the CDC because you're not crazy. Your kids that are coming home distressed aren't crazy. Um, It's real. So let me give you some data on mental health. Uh, One in five US adults experience mental illness each year. One in five. A serious mental health issue. So let's just count. One, two, three, four, five, sorry. Uh, One, two, three. Kim, you are the fifth. Yes, let's pray for her. Uh, but it's, it's serious. It's, I'm, I, we're not making light. This is serious. Mental health is a real thing. Listen to this. One in six U.S. US youth, aged 6 to 17, experience a mental health disorder each year. One in six children. Our children are suffering, one, because of the state of the world. I think when we, God is not in our culture, we're going to see increased issues, We also know that children are vulnerable and they need protection and guidance and they don't have the tools. That's why I work at a university. I love working with young people because I believe that even at the earliest age, we can teach them the tools they need to live vibrant and whole lives. But we're getting into our college systems and they're struggling. They don't know how to cope, they don't know how, they think that their mental health issues is just a life sentence. And they don't realize that they have agency, that they are the way they are and they're experiencing what they're experiencing because of things that have actually happened. It's not in their head. So we as adults have to guide them through, but we are struggling ourselves. But one in six youth struggle. Suicide, listen to this, is the second leading cause of death. The first is accidental death. So car accidents, all kinds of things, but suicide. What does that tell you? We have a problem. We have a serious problem in America, around the world. So if our youth are struggling, I believe that Jesus was literally in the flesh walking around. He would be talking about mental health all day long. He'd have a big tent. He'd have a big arena. And he would put a sign saying, mental health, come get some help. Because he always meets the need of the people. So we have to be attuned to what's going on. Anxiety, listen to this, is the number one um, disorder, mental health disorder around the world, affecting 285 million. So if you're anxious, you are not alone. In America itself, we, it's 47 million people right now. But I have good news for you. It is the most treatable. The most treatable. So if you have anxiety, I want you to know this is not a life sentence. That's why I do mental health. Because I want the easiest way to help people get to healing. And I see it every single day. So if you have anxiety, you need to seek treatment. Because you know what? Only 34% of those struggling seek treatment. Only 34%. What does that tell you? Like if I, if I reflect on it, I, I think, well, one is people don't know that they can get help. They don't know wh- where to go. Number two, they're comfortable with their anxiety. We have learned to adapt to it. It's very serious, but it's treatable. See, we have to understand that when we grieve, there is a process of lament we need to express. But lament and grieving are very different. Lament is an expression, and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you a roadmap of healthy lament that leads to joy. But grieving is something that happens and that we feel the emotion. It's grief. It's sadness, sorrow, anger. Those are all the emotions, but that is not a means to an end. We have to go through a process. The grieving is a process but there is a path. So you might feel, if you are in grief, there is everything from shock, surprise, total confusion, anger, guilt, fear, insomnia, body tension. Right? It's, we're holistic, so it's, we're holistic. So it affects every part of us. You know, during COVID, I had so many leaders and pastors call me and say, "We don't know what to do. You know, I'm having this issue. I'm having these migraines. I, I'm like." All these physical, you're falling apart. It's called grief. It's called grief. The body keeps the score, right? Some, for some of us, it's rumination. Some of it's fantasy. If you are grieving, some of us here may be fantasizing of what could have been, should have been, what could I have done. And we create this whole thing. And then when we come back to present, we're even more distressed. Right? This is part of grief. So we feel these things, but lament is a process that gets us moving through it, okay? So let me describe a little bit about lament, but first I want to give you some encouragement about who Jesus is. See, we are not of this world. That's why I love working in mental health, because I get to bring this neuroscience, right? The soul care, all the tools, and then the power of the Holy Spirit, And we can accelerate process because we are kingdom people. So when people are suffering, we say, we have an answer. We have a process that heals us, and so we need to know that process. See, this is what Jesus says, or the Word says about Jesus. Therefore, in Hebrews, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firm to the faith which we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. He was betrayed. I, I think about this when he was betrayed by his best friend. Judas was one of his best friends. Absolutely betrayed by a friend that he devoted three years, poured Hisself into this man. They ate together. They walked together. He performed miracles. The disciples witnessed this. And Judas dabs him in the back. Not only that, his best, one of his best friends then commits suicide. You think Jesus doesn't have a clue what we're going through? He suffered. He was betrayed by his closest. Some of you may feel like you are walking through a betrayal Someone in your life may have committed suicide. I know there is great loss in this room and Jesus empathizes, but we can go confidently to his throne of grace. See, we need to understand that God's people has suffered since the beginning of time, mentally, emotionally, and physically since the fall. Young people, you may be like in church, you're like, I don't know how the Bible relates to me. Let me tell you, it is so relevant. It is so relevant. So listen to this. Even Christ cried out in despair on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus himself. Sometimes we have to say, Lord, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Echoing a Psalm of Lament, then we have to understand when we suffer, we don't suffer alone. Jesus felt this grief. The apostle Paul speaks of a thorn in his side that he pleaded with God three times to remove. Biblical scholars aren't sure exactly what Paul's thorn was, but let me ask you what's yours. What's your thorn? David was troubled, the David who wrote majority of the Psalms, King David was troubled and he battled despair. Job was in anguish emotionally, physically and spiritually. Elijah was depressed and even suicidal. You have to understand the prophet Elijah, he, he did amazing things. In fact, right after one of the greatest battles against the prophets of Baal, it said that he returned and he was depressed. He was suicidal. I mean, I think about what he dealt with physically, emotionally. He, I mean, I'm sure he was in stress response, cortisol, everything that was going on. His adrenals were probably burned out. He just dipped, right? Have you ever had an, like Kim, I'm like, Kim, you got to carry yourself after this retreat. You, you, You were on. And it is so easy in those moments to start despairing. It said that he was depressed, but the still small voice of the Lord came through. Sometimes we need a that gentle voice of the Lord. So if you just have, if you're wondering like, why am I depressed? All these good things are happening. You're not alone. The heroes of the Bible struggled. Jonah was angry, feelings of despair and anger, depression, and Jeremiah wrestled with great loneliness. We have to understand that Christ empathizes and we are in good company. Young people, you are in good company when you struggle. So we're gonna talk about lament today and I'm gonna give you a framework for it that I think um, hopefully will prove helpful to you. But number one about lament, lament engages reality. Listen to this, um, this quote, emotionally healthy spirituality is about reality, not del- denial or illusion. See, Jesus always came to the people. He always wanted them to know what do you need? So this is what's amazing. But, so how you, you lament, how you express, that's what lament is, and it, it's an expression, is really determined on who you are, how you manage pain in your life. We're all very different. Have, do you know those people that are just like, just a blip and they're on to the next thing and they're doing great, and other people that can't seem to recover? It's based on three factors. So your entire mental health, emotional health is based on three things. This is gonna solve a lot of issues in your life. It's gonna make sense. Now, one is biology. Factors such as your genes, your brain chemistry, your DNA. What did you inherit from your parents? How did they cope? How did they grieve? Your biology. You're wired a certain way just by your genetics. Number two, your psychology. This is your life experiences. Your traumas, your resilience. It's everything that you have experienced in life and how you've learned to cope. Some of you have just learned to develop skills where others struggle. Some of you were born just... With a smile on your face, I see you. I thanks for smiling at me. Others of you are more melancholy. I have one of each in my household. You know, I've been married 28 years. I have two adult children, and they're different. They're wired, so they're going to process the things in their lives differently. And there's no right or wrong, okay? And usually, married couples just or or family members they are usually the opposite, and so it's just very tense. They're like, one, of, one is like, could you have a little more empathy? The other was like, can you get, get out of bed, right? They're, it's okay to be where you are. So psychology really affects that. And then your environment, your family history. How did you process? How did you engage grief and sadness? Was it ever talked about or was it stuffed? How many of you are stuffers in this room? Yeah. How many of you are emoters? You're just like, you're just processing all day, every day. Oh, we love that, right? Come on, right? It's like, oh my goodness, I'm an emoter. I'm always doing well because I just always get it out of my system, right? Right? Yeah, we're the healthiest, right? We just destroy everyone around us, right? We're sorry. We're sorry, everybody. So let's talk about Lamenting is an art that we don't often practice in Western culture. Rather than express our emotions, we tend to hide them. We distract from feeling them. We pretend. We work hard. We keep ourselves busy. We shop. We eat. We do all the things. But lament is biblical. It's biblical. And we need to do what we can to go through the process. See, Peter Scazzaro says, we will not take healing action against unfair pain until we own the pain we want to heal. It's not about denial. It's about, okay, What's we have to name our pain. Because we cannot heal if it's not in truth. We cannot heal if we don't speak and name our pain. He says we need to appropriate the pain we feel. To be conscious of it. To take it on and take it as our own. He says, I worry about fast forgivers. They tend to forgive quickly in order to avoid their pain. He says, I do not believe it is possible to truly forgive another person from the heart until we allow ourselves to feel the pain of what we've lost. So can we name it? Can we name it? My sister and I, we, again, I shared a little bit, we lost our dad early and I so badly don't like to be out of control. And so I don't know if this was me at 16 or if it was truly the Lord, I believed it was the Lord, but I had a dream before he passed away that the Lord came to me in a dream and told me that he was going to die. And so I woke up very aware and I became very engaged in how I was gonna cope. I embraced it, I, I began to like honestly walk out, life without him, I began to build my life in my mind about what I would do when that day came. I began to prepare. And that was maybe my 16-year-old coping mechanism, but I was in an environment where everyone was praying for healing. And so I would walk around in these groups that were praying and contending, and I was like, you know what? You're gonna be caught by surprise, but not me, I'm ready. We do this. We cope in our own ways. And the day that he passed away, my mom, we were um, in my mom's and dad's bed, and they were at the hospital. My mom came home, and Katie and I were in the same bed, and and she said, "Girls, you know, dad has has passed away." And immediately, Katie starts crying. She's always just like right there with her emotion. And I sat up, and I rem- coping, right? It's good. That's why I said, it's good. It's good. He's in a better place. And I began to like talk out loud. And I'm like, okay, he's, he's not in pain anymore. And then as Katie became crying more, I was probably getting a little bit irritated. And I, and I, and I knew as her older sibling, I said, you need, I said, it's fine. I need you to go get in the shower and we're going to school. I took total control. Now that is my way of coping. I can't tell, I'm, I will admit it's probably not healthy. But that's what we do. We figure out how to control. So we went to school and and when I look back on it, I I don't regret it, I don't, but it also was misguided. It was misguided. So guess what? Our husbands got to experience our lament and grief later on in life because we skipped a step. Because it's in our bodies, your grief and, and and your pain, it's still there. It doesn't go away because you say it's not there. It's there, it just manifests in different ways in different ways. So we have to face the pain. But I will tell you this to give you hope. Resilience is the mark of the Christian life. This is what Proverbs says. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Corinthians says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Living water is what you're going through. You're going to get through it. God designed us for Resilience. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We need to engage reality. Lament is about reality. So we name our pain. We name our pain. Number two, lament is more than sorrow. I'm encouraged by this. In fact, there's a pattern of every lament in the Bible. In fact, there's a whole book called Lamentations. It's crying out for God. Crying out to God is one that's part of grief but it's crying out. Number two, it's asking for help. And number three, it's responding in trust and praise. This is what lament is. And often we leave ourselves at the first step. We cry and we grieve. And we do that for a year and two years and three years. And that becomes not grief. It becomes clinical depression And so I really want us to say that Jesus actually has a pattern for us to process through that can actually lead to healing, that can actually lead us to joy and joyful belonging and community. Okay, so here we go. Let's look at an actual Psalm and we're going to just break it down for you. Let's talk about this. So lament is more than sorrow. So the first is crying out to God. And here we go. We're going to look at this right here. Let's read Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is deep in anguish. How long, Lord? How long, Lord? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the... I am worn out from my groaning all night long. I fled my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow; they fail because of all my foes. That is like legit grief. That there are so many tears. There's there's so much weeping. There's so much pain. There is sorrow and a request. There is sorrow and a request coming before God just as they are with tears streaming. This is the Psalm of David. We don't really know um, in this Psalm what he was upset about. There was lots of moments where he needed, he was being chased for his life. He was being crushed. He was being persecuted. But I think we have to understand that not only is it sorrow and pain, It's expression. And this is where we, as believers, we get stuck. As humans, we grieve in private. We grieve in silence, but we don't communicate. We don't yell out. We don't express. And there's something very powerful that happens in the brain when we speak what is really going on, when we name our pain. Something happens in our brain that tells us that we are actually dealing with it. You know, it's important for you to hear yourself cry out. It is so important. You know, non-believers get this. In LA, we have a lot of uh, different companies that we call it like, they have record rooms. They have rooms with glass and tables and metal and walls where people can come and literally destroy these items with sledgehammers, with all kinds of things. It is part of the process of grief and a lot of therapists use it. And I have actually assigned it to several of my clients. Because they have so much pent-up grief for years that they've never expressed, and it's just in their body. And they have to externalize it and get it out. And this is the model we have in the Word of God. Now, now we, he's not talking about a record room, but you know what? It's about embodying the grief and expressing it. How many of you need a record room? Doesn't that sound good right now? Oh, yeah, I have a few things to say. Yes. So, But it is very important. So expression. You know, if you wake up with a panic attack... This is free therapy, by the way. You guys love it? You're welcome. You're loving this? Okay, so if you have a panic attack or you wake up in the middle of the night, anyone wake up in the middle of the night and you're like super stressed, have a pen and paper next to your bed and begin to write out everything you're worried about. I don't know what happens in the middle of the night. We think of all the things that we have to do. But what happens when you externalize and you not only use your brain, but you actually use your fingers, like, you guys, this is not a texting exercise. Okay, no more digital. We're saying write it with a pen, a real pen and paper, people. It does something to your brain that tells you, handled, check. Expression is the same way. Externalizing, we need to externalize our grief. You might not have a record room here in Medford, but you have lots of fields. You have lots of space. Go do your business, okay, and be loud about it. So this sorrow with a request is asking for help. This is the second part. The psalmist then asks for help to beg God to rescue, ask for relief from pain. Have you asked God what you need? Have you asked the Lord? Oh, you're gonna see it in the next section is we're gonna get very specific about what we need. Some of you need restoration. Some of you need finances. Some of you need your enemies to stop right now in the name of Jesus Some of you need energy in your body. Some of you need the enemy to stop wreaking havoc on your life. You know, this battle is not against flesh and blood, but we have to request. So let's go ask for help, ask for help. Let's look at this next um, part of the Psalm. It goes on and says this, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. This psalmist, David, is explaining how much grief he's in, how he's suffering. Let the Lord know. This is Jesus. Jesus said, Lord, why have you forsaken me? We can ask God why. Why have you done this to me? Why have you done this to my children? You know, he can handle it. But you have to be honest because he is so faithful because there are promises in his word that he has to be faithful to to restore, to redeem, to bring back what the locust has eaten. There are promises to bring you joy and peace. Hold him to it. Jesus not only asked, asked, why have you forsaken me? But then he said, not Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Yours be done. In this section, David has gotten a little cocky. He's gotten calm. He's like, the Lord's heard my prayer. Now he's like, now he's taking ownership away from me, all who do evil. He did not say, Lord, deal with my enemies. He's like, Lord, I'm going to take authority now and I'm going to pray them away. I'm going to pray them harm. Lord, for my, Lord heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. I want to ask you, are you claiming the promises of God? Are you speaking to your mountain? Are you speaking to your giant? Are you speaking to your valley? This is biblical and this is what kingdom people do. We are participants in our own healing. We are, but we have to engage the way of the kingdom. And I love this, la- this lament. Praise the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind or in any kind of affliction through comfort we ourselves have received from God. God wants to bring you comfort, but we have to change the script. Can we begin to lean into the confidence that God is? answering our prayer and call those things that aren't as if they were. The shift to confidence. See, words have real power. This isn't as if, this is, we're praying into it, something that hasn't happened yet. Faith in action, Hebrews 11. Now faith is a confidence of what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This is a deal. We have a preferred future. We need to speak to it. We need to pray it in. We need to call it out. And believe in faith that God's going to do it. We have to have that confidence that God has our back. For our warfare is not against flesh and blood. So we have to do this work in the kingdom. So lament is not just about sorrow. It's about grief. But it's also about asking for help. And it's about leaning into trust. See, there's something very powerful about lament. Lament is a pathway to connection. So why, Angie, did you bring joy into all of this? Because there's something about when we are in connection with people, even in our grief, even in lament, that brings joy. See, we feel guilty sometimes to be grieving and have joy. I've worked with many grieving individuals that they, they, they catch themselves when they start laughing. And they're like, Should I be? can I be laughing right now? Can I have joy right now? Yes and amen. You can have both. You can have both. You can hold both. It's called the dialectic. It's both and. It isn't one or the other. And so I just don't know. I feel really led to say it is okay to be in both. And it is okay to allow yourself to smile. To have a moment of joy and delight in the midst of great grief. Living Waters, will you receive that today? God wants to give you that gift. He is with you. Lament is a pathway to connection. And if you've heard of any Brene Brown's work, it's all about vulnerability. And that's what vulnerability does. It's like, I'm going through this. I need to express myself. And you're like, me too, me too. That brings us together. We can believe and we can read the word, but there is nothing like the experience of heaven on earth with people in joyful belonging. So we need each other. The language of the Psalms calls on readers to experience the emotions of others, to experience it and to share it, but also to give each other what we need. i reminded of Paul's words in Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. The ability to lament and grieve is such an imperative aspect of our journey. So, We express, we ask for help, but then we trust in the Lord. The degree to which we grieve our losses is the degree to which we are compassionate. See, stuffers and people that don't emote, they have a hard time with empathy. So as we heal ourselves, this is the amazing part, we can actually have more empathy for one another. It's a beautiful gift that God gives us. It's a beautiful gift. How many of you need to begin to express and release the things that you are going through? How many of you need to yell out? I'm gonna tell you a story. I do this all the time, but I'm, as a a university president, by the way, the biblical university that I lead, uh, your pastors uh, went there. And I love that uh, Ryan and Kate are both alum, but it's a biblical university and it used to only be for Pastors and, and missionaries, and those going into vocational ministry. And over the years, we've expanded into degrees like human development and psychology, business administration, communication, worship, arts, because we believe that ministers are in all sectors of society, right? Yeah. So we believe that pastors are sent in on assignment wherever they are. So we do have a lot of people that still go into pastoral ministries, but we love to empower um, everyone. But what I've learned at the university, What I enjoy is that I get to work with young people and see them and teach them about these things, teach them about emotional and mental health and how to grieve well. But as you will know, many of you are business owners, you know how hard this season has been. And a lot of things have come my way at the university. We've had losses, we've had financial challenges we had to send all of our students home on zoom so the camera i'm very acquainted with you and all that are online we again we thinking about you we love you but that's this was our life so i cannot tell you how many times i would leave the university just to completely broken distraught lord what are you going to do and literally i get in my car and i have a 45 minute commute you guys don't even know what do any of you know what that's like you guys are so spoiled here you're like i have a 10 minute commute it's just so hard I, I relate with you. We, we, so I can do this. It's no big thing. But I get in my car and I'm crying as soon as I leave the parking lot. And I'm crying all the way 20 minutes till I hit Pasadena. Like I'm lamenting. I'm like crying out to God. I'm like, why me? And then by Pasadena, something happens. I begin to like, Lord, if you're going to bring this in my life, you're going to help me. I'm calling you and your angels to help me right now. And I began all of a sudden, uh, there's a shift. And my faith begins to build. And I began to ask. And when I began to ask, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes into my car. My little SUV, I feel the presence of God. And all of a sudden I'm activated. My faith is activated. The Spirit is like partnering with me. My my heart begins to lift from my stomach, my gut, to up here, my chest, and I start to get emboldened. By La Crescenta, it's about... 15 minutes after that, I'm feeling really emboldened. And I'm like, Lord, I trust you. I pray this thing into being, Lord. I pray that you stop anything that is not of you. Any attack of the enemy, I cancel it. I mean, I'm getting like really bold. Because I have moved from lament and sorrow to like, I have full confidence, God, you got me. You got me. And my tears truly. Now, this has taken years. I do this. Yeah, it's taken years of this. But I feel like I'm getting quicker. I'm able to move through. The challenges more quickly. My husband's a missionary kid. He is uh, grew up in Panama. His parents, um, uh, his dad was um, raised in the Philippines, foursquare missionaries, and so he's just a man of faith. Well, he didn't marry me. I wasn't a, man, a, a like that. Okay, I didn't just see like the the, the 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 sea parted. Okay, he saw all kinds of miracles. So I'm like worried all the time. But I'm going to tell you, the the longer I'm with him, I mean, 28 years, I'm like again, give me 30 minutes, and I'm there. I'm in faith. But that's taken 28 years. So we have to start now. Let's start this lamenting process. Let's start today. So in 5, 10 years, we, are, we, we can move quick more quickly. And we can see the goodness of God. Now this isn't to rush anyone's process by any means. We need to be allowed to be where we are as we are. So whatever process this lament, this pattern takes you, let it be what fits you but we're not to stay in sorrow. God has a plan. My last point is lament leads to acceptance and joy. Radical acceptance means recognizing your emotional and physical distress, whether around minor issues like traffic or more significant challenges, such as navigating chronic illness, job loss or separation, and wholeheartedly practicing acceptance. I think that's what happens to me when I get to Pasadena. I'm like, okay, I hate this so much, but I accept it. And once I accept it, I'm like, okay, now that I got this, what do I need to do? That's how I processed my my dad, the loss of my dad. I thought he was gonna be healed. I, th- I mean, we thought, we all thought. But it wasn't the case. So that acceptance leads us to joy, but it doesn't just happen. It takes time. But I want to encourage you to practice the pattern of lament. And see what God might do to your heart, what he might do to your soul and how he might speak to you on new levels. Because I believe this for living waters. This is Psalm 30. That you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing, the psalmist says. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with the joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. I received that, but listen, you don't get here without sorrow. You don't get here without expression, without asking for help. And I believe there are people in this room that have not asked for help. Maybe you've been so polite with God, maybe not. Those of you that aren't, you're in good company too. But if maybe you're too polite with God and you need to start asking Him aggressively to be true to His promises. The greatest joy of lament is the confidence that it will restore. This lament, this excites me about lament. That it will restore over time confidence. Though I may not see God's hand in my present, I'm assured of my hope that he will move. This is a valid prayer for our modern communities of faith here and now as believers. So I don't know where you are today, I know where I am, but I want to ask you, where will you begin? This church is so beautiful. Your pastors have created so much space. Take the space, but be strategic about the space that you've been given. Be strategic and guided by the word and the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you today, do you need to cry out to God? Aggressively, fully, without any restraint, with any words you want to use. I tell my clients all the time, it's so powerful to write and rip, to write out everything that you feel and then rip it up. Do not ruminate, do not hold it, do not create sacred, you know, an offering around it. Rip it up. It again tells your brain, you know, my massage, my massage therapist actually told me this. So it's, it's gold. <laughs> write and rip, write and rip. Okay, let it go. Write and rip. If you have to do it 20 times a day, do that. Every time your your husband makes you mad, write and rip. All right? Every time someone makes you mad at work, write and rip. Maybe you need to cry out to God. Number two, ask for help. Ask God for help. Cry out. Ask him. Be very specific with what you need. And ask others for help. And lastly, respond in trust. Begin to declare and speak out. It says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Whatever we speak of, we eat its fruit. Let's declare what we want to see. Let's speak life. So would you stand with me? Would you stand with me as just a posture of like, Lord, we're gonna receive what you've spoken. And the Lord has spoken different things to different people, those that are online. I don't know what God is speaking to you, but I know that he's moving. How many of you receive a word from the Lord today to your heart? Yeah. Where does God need you to take action today? Because this is an essential part of healing. So I want to pray with you as you go out today that God would bless you, that he give you confidence to do what you need to continue your grieving process and your healing process. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this amazing community. Lord, thank you for living waters. Lord, thank you that it's here that we are refreshed and healed Lord, we also thank you for the gift of lament that you are so good, that you gave us a process to follow so that we may be healed and restored to confidence, that we may restore connection with you, Lord, and with our community. Lord, I pray for every person here to go at their pace, to be as they are where they are, but Lord, that you would guide them in a process that would restore their soul and renew their hope today in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory and all the praise because you are a good God. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, living waters. I love you so much. I hope to see you guys soon. Have a great one.